Google has updated their SEO starter guide and I read it so you don't have to. Now it's not super long, it's definitely pretty easy to skim and it is very beginner. That is my warning here. You will not find a ton of secret sauce or anything in there. Um, even if you click through all of Google's documentation, <laughs> it's very hard to find um, like some good hidden gems. Now, this is something they've had for a while. It definitely was a lot longer before. And I honestly, I agree with the reasons that they changed it is that it used to read more like a technical document, but the whole point is that this is a guide for beginners. Now they did change some stuff inside of it and largely that was to make it beginner friendly. So they're trying to make it a little bit clearer for everybody. Um, you can see that they've like removed some sections that just like kind of didn't matter to some extent, like mobile friendliness, that's just the baseline now. This document like, was first made in 2008. Mobile like wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> so I think they've gotten rid of some um, unhelpful things, which is good. Um, then they've also like adjusted some little things. Uh, I think it's interesting that they removed the um, site structure section, or pardon me, not site structure, the navigation section of the site structure section because they are really, really, really focusing on internal linking more so than the overall architecture of your whole site. And I think that that's partially because people do menus pretty easily and then they just don't do the rest. But that's all to say that they've changed some stuff around. They've also added some stuff, especially about duplicate content. The interesting thing about that, and we'll talk about this in a second, I'm gonna show you guys, I highlighted and annotated it for us. Um, they only talk about like same site duplicate content, not duplicate content across the board or even just like subsections that are the same, but we'll go into it. Um, they have some new stuff on videos, which I don't think is super applicable to most of us, um, especially for like my audience. Most of us just embed a video. We're not doing video first in terms of a web page. Um, and then I really like this one. They added like SEO theories debunked sort of a thing. So let's take a look at the actual starter guide. So this is on their site. I just downloaded a PDF of it so I could highlight it um, and so I could make it bigger for my very blind eyes. <laughs> now, the key thing that you'll notice the second you open it is that they say, when you build your website, you built it with users in mind first. Then they tell you that one of those users is a search engine like Google. So they're really kind of putting it in your mind immediately that this is all about the user. And I think that's really great. Now they go through a lot of other information. Um, some of the stuff is pretty wishy-washy, I'll be honest, which is fair. I mean, like the, how long till you see impact in search results? It says basically like wait a few weeks. That could mean anything. And even then it says, and it might not work, but they kind of have to do that throughout this, especially because this is a beginner document. So they are saying like, you might rank, you might never rank. We don't really know. They go through some information about like how Google can look at your site. Um, this is largely just like setting up your search console site map. Um, so it's super easy that way and making sure that it like, it can actually read your web pages and everything. Um, they want to know like how you can see the page. So essentially they just want the page to look good <laughs> so that someone could read it. Um, and that means it has to be able to actually like kind of see the web page. Yes, it cannot technically see images because it's not a person, um, but it can read a lot of different data. 
Now, it does seem to be alluding here a little bit to AMP, which was something that people used to do on mobile first, where it like stripped out the CSS and JavaScript. But you can see here, it says like Google needs to be able to access the same resources as the user. So if it hides those things, then Google might not understand what's happening. And while that could be better for speed to get rid of some like random extra stuff, it could also mean that you lose some helpfulness to it. So that's important to note. Um, also, this is cool where it says like the crawler location is generally the US. Oops, didn't mean to highlight that, uh, which we kind of knew, but also good to keep in mind that like if you have multiple versions of your site happening, um, that Google's going to pay attention based on the crawler location. Then they talk about no indexing stuff if you don't want it to show up. Um, and then we get into like organizing the site, which I think is really interesting. So Google talks about using like breadcrumb links, which is not common for blogs. This is much more common for an e-commerce site or something like that. And this is where we immediately see that like Google is not focused on a specific type of blog or a website or anything. They're talking about very generally every type of thing that shows up in search. So typically when you go to a site that's like e-commerce or something, it's going to have these breadcrumbs that if you think of like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs, like they left breadcrumbs to show their way back home. That's the same idea here. So the breadcrumbs show the trail of how you got to where you are and they'll have home as kind of the base. Now we can turn this on for our sites, but I do not recommend for a blogger having it in your URL. Um, and this is something that comes up in their duplicate content section. But essentially the reason that it's doing this is to try and say like, okay, this is a subcategory of a certain thing. The example they give is like um, pets slash cats. So it's like the site is whatever the site name is, category is pets, this specific thing is cats. That does assume that you never put it anywhere else. And the problem is many of us have things that cross categories, so that doesn't work for us. Now, if this was for an e-commerce product where it's like men's or women's or kids, like, yeah, you're definitely going to want to classify the white t-shirt by them because it's going to be a different white t-shirt. But for us, typically not the case. But they definitely say that random URLs that just make no sense are not helpful to the user. And I do think it's interesting that they see the URL as helpful or not. I mean, most users don't even look at it, but fair. Then they talk about grouping things into directories. Now, this is again more about like a massive site and they talk about it for sites with like thousands of pages and again, especially e-commerce, um, but it does kind of mean something for us as well. So they talk about basically having different like kind of category, subsection, directories, whatever you want to call them, um, where content's going to go through. So for example, the policy, return policy, promotions, new promotion. Let's say you had, yeah, like men's t-shirt, white sort of a thing. So it'd be under men's and then white t-shirt. And that's going to really break it up. But their point here is more about helping Google, not about helping your user, which is a, a weird shift from the rest of the document um, where they talk about like this helps Google figure out how often to crawl something. So if you have like a news kind of section of your site, anything within that news section, they're going to know that you publish more there maybe, or that it changes all the time. But for maybe your general about section or like about the team, you don't update the team every week. So they don't necessarily need to crawl that quite as often. This section was kind of disappointing to be honest, because they didn't really go into like categories or anything about that. They're really um, focusing more on their crawl budget, which I thought they could have done a bit better on. 
Um, then now we talk about uh, duplicate content. So they were focusing on duplicate content as being within the same site. So for example, if you had within those links of example.com slash policies slash cats, and then you had example.com slash promotions slash cats, and it's the same, um, the same post, which happens if you put it in two categories and you have a URL structure like this, um, that that's bad because it's not good for the user for you to have the same post technically have two addresses. I always think of the URL as like the address of the house. So it's like, that's your house on the street. You know the number, you know how to get there. Okay, well now suddenly you have two addresses for the same house. How does that work? How does anyone know where to send mail? How does anyone know where things should go? They don't, and that's a problem. And it's gonna confuse the heck out of your guests when Google Maps sends them like into a lake or something because they have no idea how to get there. So what we want instead is to have one iteration of each page, like one URL, one address per house. However, they said it's not a violation of spam policies because they basically just ignore it. So it used to be something that people thought Google like, got mad at you for, and it seems like they're saying that they don't. Uh, do they, don't they, when the whole point is that they're about user experience and this is bad for user experience? I don't know, but I would say still stay away from it for sure because it is a bad idea. And they're still saying that, they just aren't necessarily saying exactly. Um, what I think is probably the case is that it is still bad for your site and it might impact your rankings. So you can either set up a canonical URL um, or you can set up a redirect to send it to one spot or just set up your, um, your systems properly so that you don't have categories in the URL structure because that's when things like this happens. Then it has um, a section on making your site interesting and useful for people. So it's all about like the creating content, but about how that's formatted as well. And these are pretty basic things that they've always said, like break up long content into paragraphs, have headings so that people can like have signposts throughout it, make sure it's unique content. And I really think this is good. Like do not co copy others content in part or its entirety. Now that does not mean that you can't quote people. Quoting is obviously allowed and helpful, um, but it's not good to just like steal a paragraph from someone else or even just take all their research and not do your own or add anything to it. Then we have, is the content up to date? So basically they want you to be refreshing your content. Um, in, I don't remember, oh God, I don't know who said this. I listened to a podcast recently on it. I wanna say it was Jamie IF, but I'm not 100% sure, um, who said like content is depreciating a depreciating asset after the first 18 months. Cause after that it's out of date, you need to keep updating it. Um, and it kind of becomes like a new post you have to write almost. Now it can rank a lot faster and like when you update it and it can do a lot more for you, but you have to keep content updated. It's why I harp on about people doing content audits all the time. It is such a huge deal. So keep your content updated. Um, and it says even deleted if it's not relevant anymore. Now, interestingly, Google said for a while, like when people, especially one of my friends, Jared Bowman was talking about like, uh, yeah, delete content that's not SEO optimized. They're like, no, don't do that. Keep content that's like not good for SEO, but delete it if it's not relevant. I think if it's not good for SEO, it's also not relevant. So this might be their like kind of way of agreeing with what we're talking about here. 
And lastly, always creating helpful content. They actually link to the document that they created that's on um, creating helpful content post helpful content update. I think they may have created that document from the first helpful content update, not the September 2023 one that like messed everything up for everybody. But here you can even say it says like providing expert or experienced sources. A lot of times those are going to be quotes. So going back to the unique content, quotes are okay. Stealing is not okay. <laughs> that sort of a thing. Um, then they talk about like knowing your user search terms and basically like trying to use a variety of them. So remember like who your target audience is and think about the way that they would search. They give the example of like charcuterie versus a cheese board. Like what kind of language would they use? Um, even like, I think they did a good example of this within the guide itself of the guide is really for beginners but they kind of wrote it more for experienced people. I remember like the first time I ever read it, I left because I was like, this is too much. I don't know, like I, I don't understand this. I was like Googling every other word. It was a nightmare. This is way easier to read. So I think they've kind of done the same idea of like figuring out who's the target audience of this piece and then what kind of language do they need to know. But varying it within the post does mean that you can get picked up for secondary keywords, kind of a little bit of what they said. And they also say, don't try to do every variation. I know so many people, um, even up until like last year, who would be like, okay, every iteration of a secondary keyword we're going to include. And that meant they had like 700 keywords in a post. Well, if a post is going to be 2000 words, that does not give you a lot of space to add actually helpful content. And a lot of times they're so similar. So like, um, can golden retrievers, retrievers swim? Um, can golden retrievers swim well? Can golden retrievers, Jesus, can golden retrievers, like um, do golden retrievers swim? A lot of that has the same meaning. And Google uses semantic SEO through their language matching and language processing systems so they can figure that out. Um, so basically they're like, hey, you don't need everything to match perfectly. Kind of the same idea as like US versus UK spelling. Um, you'll notice that like the search volumes might vary in a keyword research tool. They're the same keyword. Same thing as having like three written out or the number three, they're the same thing. Um, and Google knows that Google has figured it out. So not the end of the world. Then they talk about ads and they specifically say ads are okay, except when they are overly distracting and mean that like someone can't actually access the content. So it says, um, it also especially like highlights interstitial ads, which I am not a fan of as a user either. So I think that's a really good point where it does make it challenging to access the content and interstitial pages kind of do something similar to a pop-up with a pop-up, you stay on the page, but you are kind of blocked from seeing the content. So I do think, um, pop-ups have always been something that Google doesn't love, but I think they understand it's a necessary evil sometimes, but if they're really, really like you can't close it out or there's things like that, there's really distracting. It really prevents someone from accessing the content. I do think that there is a chance that you could be hurt from that. Um, again, because of user experience and same with ads that like block the whole page or, um, I don't know, load and then do something weird. Like those are going to be the problems, but Google is like we run ads through them. Even when we're using something like Raptive or Mediavine, they use the Google AdSense network to like make bids and things like that. So Google gets a cut. So it would never make sense for them to be like no ads ever. They would lose all the money. They want that money. Then we have um, some information about linking to relevant sources. Please link to sources. People are like so afraid to link to anything but their own content, but you want to corroborate things. So like, 
if you're saying, okay, okay, I don't know, 3 million people live in Toronto. Well, how do you know that? Where does that come from? So I always see it as citing your sources, kind of like you would in an academic paper, but you're not formatting it the way that you would in an academic paper. Um, you just, the way that we cite it is we just hyperlink. So whatever the text is that we're like, okay, golden retrievers can swim up to 30 miles per hour. Where did I get that information? I either need to have an expert quote beside it, or I'm going to link those words to the source where I learned that information. And that's going to be how you can be like, okay, this is how I got context for it. What I thought was really interesting is it actually said that the vast majority of the new pages Google finds every day are via links and not actually via anything else. So it proves linking matters. Internal linking, getting backlinks, that matters a ton because they're going to go from pages they've already crawled and seen and then they're going to like notice that this new thing exists. It's kind of like, I don't know, if... If someone, if someone that you know points something out, like a new restaurant on the street, you're more likely to notice it than if you just walk past it. Like it's just the street you get to work on every day, that restaurant's there, they've put up something new, but they, nothing's flashy, it's just like a new name. You're gonna be like, eh, I don't know, why would I ever look at that thing? But if your friend goes, hey, that's a new restaurant, you're gonna go, oh my God, that's a new restaurant. It's that kind of an idea. So definitely make sure that you are working on linking both outside of your site and building links into your site. Then they talk about using good anchor text, and I think this is always important. It should tell the user and Google what the heck is happening. So just saying click here is not good anchor text, but also just giving the title isn't very good anchor text because it's not giving a lot of context. Like if I say, okay, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, a restaurant name. There's one near my dad's house we like called Azaria's. So oh, I'm going to Azaria's. If someone doesn't know what that thing is, then I don't know why I'm on restaurants. I guess I'm hungry. <laughs> but if someone doesn't know what that thing is that um, I'm talking about, they have no context for that. But if I say I'm going to this tapas restaurant called Azaria's, or yeah, I'm going to go get tapas with my dad, that gives a lot more context. Because like Azaria's could be, I don't know, a doctor or something. We have no idea. It could be a piercing place. It could be anything. So you want to add context. So I do think that that's Good that they had that. Then they also talk about um, linking to external sources. And if they're not very credible, if they're a spammy site, if something weird is happening with them, that's a time when you should mark them as no follow links. They don't really talk about no follow otherwise in here. They jump right to forums, which like I don't know that I would have considered that beginner. I probably would have like also talked about no following or even like don't have sponsored links in here or anything about paid links. And I'm not sure, and a lot of people are like theorizing that they hate on affiliate links and any sites that use them. Um, that was one of the reasons for like HCU losses. I disagree with that. I don't think that's the case. I think bad versions of that 100% would have gotten knocked out. Um, but yeah, I do think it's interesting that that wasn't included in here. But they talk about like if you have forums or comments on your site, um, that you should mark any URLs in there as no follow as well. Then they're talking about how your site looks on Google search. Now, how it looks, they really only talk about the title and the meta because that's all you can control, but they don't go into some like, again, this is probably more advanced, but they don't go into like how you get your image to show. They don't even talk about how you get like the little site icon. They don't talk about like the date. They really just talk about like the basics, which is the title tag. And basically they're like, okay, if you coded it from HTML, here's how you do it. But in a CMS like WordPress, you just put it where the title goes and then you're fine. 
but they give some advice here. A good title is unique to the page, clear and concise, and accurately describes the contents of the page. So it's not clickbait. <laughs> it's short, it's to the point, but it also like actually tells you what you're getting with the post. And that's kind of what we've always seen in SEO titles. Then we have snippets. So they talk about the meta description being the snippet, but it kind of can come from anywhere, but they say it should be a one to two sentence summary of the page. And I think that's super important where they talk about including the most relevant points on the page. Most um, meta descriptions I see are just like, um, are you ready for an adventure in this Scottish castle? I take you through what you need to know. Okay, do you know what I need to know? Like, I don't know now. Just like writing a really good introduction, I do think a good meta is something that can encourage people to click. Now, it's frustrating because metas don't always actually get activated. Like sometimes the snippet just pulls from random spots in the post. So I do understand, like don't spend too much time on it, but like list one or two things. Like if you're like, okay, um, the best things to do in Rome, you're not just gonna go, are you looking for the best things to do in Rome? I've got you covered. I'm gonna take you through um, all the streets of Rome. No, you're gonna be like, uh, Rome is full of amazing things to do, including the Trevi Fountain, the Vatican, I know it's like kind of not in Rome, but kind of is in Rome, <laughs> um, the Colosseum, and of course eating pizza. Uh, let's find even more together. Something like that, I don't know how long that is, but like being more relevant, I'm gonna click on that second one, I'm not gonna click on the first one. And I do think that you can kind of copy that over to your social media as well. Not that I do social media very well. And they talk about adding images. So basically like where to put images. I do, I wish someone would like settle the debate because I am still pro image above the header. Um, comment and let me know which one you are. But I know most people seem to be like header than image. And I just hate the way that looks. Maybe because I come from like the novel world and like I did some freelance like journalism before. But your image always went before your title. And I just, I can't get through it. Um, but yeah, tell me what you think in the comments because I keep, I keep ending up in the minority for that and I don't understand why it doesn't bother other people. But the main thing that they actually care about is where the image is in the post. So don't just have random images thrown about. They want you to contextualize them with the text that's near the post. And then they want you to contextualize them with the alt text. And this is key. So many people write alt text that just says, I don't know, beach in Croatia. What beach? What does it look like? They give no actual information. And they also don't explain the relationship between the image and the content in the post. So why is this image here? What does this show? Like golden retriever swimming in the ocean. Eh, like, I guess it kind of makes sense. But if it's right beside the post about like golden retrievers getting hotspots, how does this relate to that header? So you really want to make sure your alt text is contextualized to tell the user why this is here and what's happening. Then they talk about optimizing videos and it's kind of the same idea of like, there's two different ways that you can, um, you can optimize them. Since most of us are embedding them, we're not gonna have the ability to add alt text and things like that. So instead you can add text near the video. So having a header, having a little description above it, things like that. Um, they also say that like, if you are um, uploading the, the videos, which most of us aren't, that then, yeah, you can, you have the title and uh, description field like you would for an image where you can edit those. Um, we're not, we don't upload those. So, or I don't recommend uploading them. So just embed it, it's easier. 
Then this was a thing that was like sending Twitter into a spiral is the promoting your website. So all of the promotional methods are very like normal business promos. They do not talk about links because Google sees any method of building links as unnatural. Even guest posts violate Google's terms of service technically because they do not want you doing basically any outreach for anything. It's very interesting that they're so against it, um, but it does like, then it's understandable why they say these are the ways to promote it. So they say social media promotion, community engagement, advertising on and offline and word of mouth. Of course they want you to advertise, ideally probably with them, <laughs> that way they get some more money. But then they also say like word of mouth is great so that people are recommending you. That's kind of the point of guest posts though, is like getting someone else to talk about you, but while well, you would talk to them essentially, like you talk to their audience so that they'd know you exist. So I understand their like views here. Um, I know Niche Site Lady on Twitter recently posted about a guest post of hers that got manually, um, got a, a manual, Jesus, what's the word? got a manual penalty for a link. And she said, it's a guest post that I built. I didn't buy, I just built it. Um, but now she has this penalty and she's gonna have to deal with that. And a lot of people were commenting and saying like, yeah, but technically that still is like you outreaching for that link and you um, like, it's kind of, I guess in some ways you can kind of see it like gifting. Like if someone gives you a product to write about something, you're getting a link to write about something. So you were kind of compensated. So I, do, I, I see it to some extent, but equally like, I don't know. That's just how the world works to some extent. If Google doesn't want us doing that, they should stop caring about backlinks. <laughs> and then this is the thing people got upset about. Put effort into offline promotion of your company. For example, if you have a business site, make sure the URL is listed on your business cards, letterhead, posters, and other materials. So basically they're saying like, go old school. And I don't know, I've never had a business card. I have no desire to. I think it's a waste of paper, <laughs> but it is very funny. And um, the guy behind Stay New England, which I've reviewed on this channel before, and I'll link it in the description, um, he was on Twitter and he was like, I wrote my business like URL out on like a stub of paper and handed it to someone at a conference. And the next day my post went from like under TripAdvisor to outranking TripAdvisor. It's definitely a joke. It's just a good post that was taking its time ranking. But I think it's really funny that like they're, I don't know, just a weird way of them suggesting this, I guess. And then they do say like, don't overdo it. You can fatigue your promotions, sort of a thing. Um, and then this is kind of my favorite section where they're talking about like the SEO myths that a lot of people talk about um, and whether or not you should pay attention to it. Now I'm only gonna talk about the ones I think like actually matter to us. Um, some of these aren't really gonna happen for bloggers so much. So of course, keyword stuffing is against Google spam policies. We've known that for a while. Um, and I think the HCU especially showed that Google does not wanna have too many keywords, but keyword stuffing in its like most extreme is gonna be like all of your alt text has a keyword. Every paragraph has a keyword. Um, there's sometimes people will like just list all the keywords and turn it white. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. <laughs> then they talk about how like having a keyword in a domain name either like people assume, okay, that means it's going to help. And there was a thing for exact match domains for a while. It's what my niche site is that I'm building in public. Um, I wanted to kind of test it and I can safely say it has no bearing on that site. Really topical authority did so much more for it. So I don't think that having your keyword in your title is necessary. Um, have something brandable, have something readable, but don't worry too much. 
They also say that like the .com versus .ca versus whatever doesn't matter to them. It really only matters to your user for like marketing purposes. Like if I go around saying, um, oh, come to She Knows SEO in Canada, people often go .ca and I'm like, no, it's .co, it's something else. So you just keep that in mind. Then they've said this forever, but there is no minimum or maximum content length, but they do recommend when you're writing, do it naturally, but do use different words. And it seems like they're suggesting secondary keywords, which yes, it works, do it. And essentially it's just like, I don't know, rephrase like the keyword a few times. So you're not keyword stuffing the main keyword, but you are dropping some like contextually related keywords in there. Uh, then up to the top of the other side, they talked about like subdomain subdirectories basically said, do what you want. <laughs> so not, not a huge deal. They've kind of always said that. Um, the thing that I cared most about was the number and order of headers. A lot of people talk about doing like the one to 10 or 10 to one. If they're trying to like count down the best things, Google basically said, we don't care that much. <laughs> it doesn't matter that much to us. Um, but also they don't care how many headings you use. It all depends on the post. So like a 500 word post is gonna have a very different number of headings than a 5,000 word post. And there's also no like exact right number. Um, I do wish that they had talked about the hierarchy a bit here because I do believe that it is better to go like H2 down, start again, H2 down sort of a thing, um, but they didn't. Now, this is funny. Thinking EEAT is a ranking factor. No, it is not. I think that's wrong. <laughs> um, I know I'm not Google and I'm just saying what I'm saying, but I can definitely tell you that um, post HCU, the sites that I've seen that are typically doing the best either have tons of backlinks or they do have some firsthand experience. Now, people are joking on Twitter all the time that like backlinks are EEAT because they do show authority really well for sure like having people talk about you having people recommend you that's definitely going to impact that but I also do think that there is some level of trust that comes with it too like I almost think experience should have been trust instead um, because that experience a first-hand experience really does build trust with your users and since Google is user first and that is meant to be a ranking factor is like how much do you help the user it does seem like it should play more of a role. Um, I know that they're gonna, they're just gonna keep saying that it, it isn't a ranking factor, but I don't really know why it would be something they talk so much about otherwise, you know what I mean? I don't think that the algorithm necessarily picks up on it. I think it's probably more from the human reviewers. Then they give you your next steps, like set stuff up, and then that's it. So. That is the SEO starter guide. You can definitely have a read through it yourself. It is on their website. I'll also link it in the description of this video, um, but minor changes. And it really isn't a change to Google itself. It's just a change to like their documentation telling us about it. Um, I'm not gonna get business cards. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I have no desire to have business cards, but I do think that kind of what they're talking about here is stuff we've seen post HCU, where people are talking about diversifying and having different like ways of getting traffic of, building a brand and a lot of those methods of promotion are things that a brand would do to build notoriety and name recognition. So they are kind of telling us you shouldn't just do SEO stuff. You should do something else too. Um, and I, I think that's interesting, but I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I think it is interesting. What do you guys think? Are you going to get business cards now? Um, is this going to like crash the like Insta print business card area? Is Canva going to have to come out with 400 new business card templates for all of us? Um, yeah. What do you think? I'd love to know and leave them in the comments and I will chat with you there. Okay. See you around.